0: And uh, what our Metro missionaries do is they do much like our foreign missionaries. They raise funds and deputize and they raise a budget so that when they go to these these cities, they can focus on building a church and, and doing the work of God. And uh, they have completed that, their, their, their deputizing part of it. In fact, tomorrow they meet with our uh, headquarters and they go what they call outbound orientation where... It's kind of that last hurrah before they uh, start packing everything up and head that way, but when I knew he was going to be here, I wanted him to come and minister to this congregation and I do want him to share a little bit about uh, the burden of Portland and uh, while they have already um, well they have already raised their, their funds I would tell you that. If uh, if one of the things that is not included in the funds is moving expenses And so if you uh, felt it or you wanted to You are more than welcome to just go up to Brother and Sister Williams after church And if you want to give an offering just like that, you can Or if you want it to go through the church uh, uh, books, you can give it to me And uh, we'll we'll make sure it gets to them But we're so glad to have Brother Chad Williams I want you to come and I want you to minister And I want you to preach the word to us Could we welcome this family in Jesus' name?
1: Praise the Lord. Excited to be here with you tonight. What a mighty God we serve, and I am so thankful that he has met us here. I feel the presence of the Lord here tonight, and it's a privilege to experience Jesus with you, but also to get to experience the lighthouse, and so I appreciate you tonight. I appreciate your worship, appreciate your spirit, and that you would let God move. I, uh, I only assume, but I think I do it confidently, that your desire is like mine, that God's perfect will would be done here tonight. Amen? That is indeed my desire. and I'm excited for the opportunity to share our city with you, but I'm uh, even more excited to share the word of the Lord with you and feel like God has given me some direction to do that. Amen? Let me just take a moment. I want to give honor to your pastor and his family. I think it was 2011, 2012 when we became friends through uh, the Jonathan Project, a wonderful opportunity, and we spent together, spent about a year together through this mentoring process, and then God has given us opportunities through the years since then to connect, and we're very thankful for your pastor and his family and their service here in this local church, and also as they also give of themselves outside of this local church. We appreciate that. It wasn't too long ago we were in North Carolina. They invited us to the Sunday school camp meeting, and here was your pastor at children's camp. Him and his son were ministering, and it was great to get to see them there. And he ministered to my boys there as well. And So we appreciate your pastor and his family. I also want to take a moment and give honor to all of the leaders of this church as well. I want to give you honor for your service in the kingdom of God. I know that he sees that. I know it takes a host of people to do the work of Lord of the Lord in a community like this. And we give you honor for your service. I also see some friends here tonight. I see Brother Buford here from my time at headquarters. I see Brother Hare over here. I want to give you guys honor tonight. So thankful for your service in the kingdom of God. I see Brother Harding back in the back. I love him. And we're so thankful for him. And we've been involved with Global Missions through the years. And we had relations with him through that. But he has some connections to Portland, Oregon as well. And so we give him honor tonight as well. But uh, God is good. And last but not least, we give honor to the Church of the Living God. That's you tonight. And you've been planted in this community. And we give you honor here tonight. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to say a prayer, if that's okay, and cover the remaining time that we have together in prayer. And then I'm going to take just a few minutes and share the city of Portland with you, for we need you to be praying for our city and our family indeed. So I'm going to just take a few minutes to share that, and then I want to preach the word to you. I feel like God began to move on my heart a few minutes ago and redirect me a bit. And so I am praying that we are ready to receive what the Lord has here tonight. And I want to move according to His will and His purpose. So let's pray together. Would you be so kind as to stand with me? I want to pray something specific. I was thinking earlier of what the psalmist said. He said, open my eyes that I might see the wonder in your law. I think he was acknowledging that in his humanity, he falls short at times to see all the wonders in the Word of God. It's not always easy with our earthly minds to see all of the splendor and heavenly things in this divine word. And so He says, open my eyes, give me a miracle, give me a revelation so I can see things in that book I can't see myself. That's the intent of the prayer, to simply say, God, there's things in this book I cannot see through my own eyes. But You can come tonight and open my eyes and give me a revelation that would encourage me and provoke me and move me in Your purpose for my life. Will you pray that with me? Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank You for Your goodness and Your mercy. God, I thank you for your glory and your power and the purpose that you have for this hour that we share. I pray that your spirit would move upon our hearts, God, and prepare us for that which you have to say tonight. We stand together as a concert, and we raise our voices and simply say, God, open our eyes that we might see the splendor and the wonder in your word and be transformed by such revelation. We cannot do it in our own strength, God, but you can help us, Jesus and we will give you glory for that which you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for that. You may be seated. My family and I are so excited to be uh, Metro missionaries to the city of Portland, Oregon. We are very thankful for the Metro Missions Ministry of the United Pentecostal Church International. Indeed, as we are uh, strategically and diligently working to reach the world, Through global missions, we cannot forget North America. Amen. And so I'm thankful for Metro Missions because it is one of of several ways in which we can remain focused on home as well as our global missions efforts. And so we're thankful for Metro Missions, and we're so excited to be going to Portland, Oregon. There's many reasons for that. One of those reasons is that we're no strangers to Portland. I think it's 18 years ago this month, my wife and I were married in the city of Portland, Oregon. That is where she is from, and we spent our first eight years in ministry and marriage in the city of Portland where we served on uh, as assistant pastors. And so during that time, God really placed a passion and burden deep within us for the city of Portland, for the people who reside there, and also for the northwest region of North America. Now, how many of you know that no one will mess your life up like Jesus? I heard an elder say, it's not easy to say yes to Jesus because he will mess your world up. If you let him. And it's so true. And so, after serving for eight years in that city, being absolutely satisfied there, feeling like this is home and this is where I will invest myself the rest of my life, God comes along in a prayer meeting. He had a cake and balloons and he said, Surprise, I'm going to turn everything upside down and mess your world up. And he started the process of relocating us for ministry purposes. And in his kindness and mercy and grace, He has given us opportunity to serve his kingdom in various capacities over the last 10 years. And now we are thrilled that he is allowing us to return to our first love, which is Portland, Oregon. And uh, as your pastor has said, God was so good to us in 14 months. God blessed us with all the partners that we needed and did many wonderful things. And we are only a few days from going to this city that we love with all of our hearts, and God has called us to. We want you to have a short experience with our city. And then after this experience, I'm going to say a few more things and then preach the word of the Lord to you. So my family and I, through this video, are going to kind of share Portland with you here tonight. Let me say thank you to the media team. All of their help tonight. We are delighted to be the first appointed Metro missionaries to the city of Portland, Oregon. Portland is a beautiful, vibrant, and diverse community of 2.4 million people. Portland has a rich history since its beginnings in the 1830s near the end of the Oregon Trail. It's shipping and timber industry were major forces in its early economy. At the turn of the 20th century, it had developed a reputation as one of the most dangerous port cities in the world. We are delighted to be the first appointed metro missionaries to the city of Portland, Oregon. Portland is a beautiful, vibrant, and diverse community of 2.4 million people. Portland has a rich history since its beginnings in the 1830s near the end of the Oregon Trail. Its shipping and timber industry were major forces in its early economy. At the turn of the 20th century, it had developed a reputation as one of the most dangerous port cities in the world. Now in the 21st century, it is known as an epicenter of counterculture. Its unofficial slogan, Keep Portland Weird, is tethered to that counterculture personality it promotes today. Portland is currently experiencing an explosion of growth with a 1.72% rate of increase in 2014 to 2015. That was 41,000 new residents in one year. To narrow it further, that would be 111 new residents a day.
0: Roughly 60% of the population of the state of Oregon live in the metro area. That includes 80,000 children. This is a tremendous opportunity.
1: Portland has an abundance of natural beauty. Perfect parks, towering trees, the Willamette River that meanders through town, and to top it all off, you have Mount Hood on the horizon. This breathtaking city did experience a spiritual awakening in the early 1900s. That led to every business being closed from 11 to one for prayer meeting. But sadly today, Portland is in a spiritual crisis. 46% of the population is considered unchurched. Over 1.1 million people have not attended a church service in the last six months except for a holiday or a special occasion. 100,000 people are considered never churched. Our vision and our will will God and compelling us to go. We are confident that God is preparing the way for another spiritual awakening in the Portland metro area. We treasure this opportunity to unite with God pentecostal churches in north america and you to reach the people of portland with the gospel of jesus christ
0: partner with us pray for us believe with us believe with us Bye-bye.
1: Two important things there. Of course, first, my family. I'm so thankful for my wife who's here tonight to see uh, And she is a wonderful person, tremendous workmanship of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for her. And glad that she's here. And then we have three amazing boys. Uh, Ethan is 13. He's in charge of security. He may be the third parent. And we're not sure if that's good yet or not. We're working through that. Uh, then we have Caleb. Now, Caleb has character from his toes to his nose. He is packed with character and in the process of taking over the earth. And he started with our family, so he is our manager. And then we have Lucas. Lucas is three, and he's in charge of setup and teardown. He's the best teardown guy I've ever met in my life. If we were going to be here this week, I'd loan him out to you. He's a solid demo worker. And uh, we thank God for these boys and the crew that God has given us, and we're so very excited about Portland, Oregon. Then let me tell you about Portland briefly here, in addition to what you've already learned. uh, We're so excited again to be going there. It is a beautiful city, as you heard there, 2.4 million people. It continues to grow. At that rapid rate of forty thousand people a year, I saw I saw some projections that said over the next ten to fifteen years we may have we may have eight hundred thousand new residents. It's amazing what's happening. That's basically about three thousand new residents a month right now. It's outstanding. These people are coming from all over North America, but also they are coming from across the globe as well as refugees and and they come with other purposes also. And so it's growing very. rapidly. Rapidly. I can tell you uh, that uh, another unique thing about Portland is geographically, the Portland metro area is actually larger than the state of Connecticut. So, for my numbers, people, what that means is Portland is 6,683 square miles. That's the metro of Portland. It's massive. And uh, within those enormous boundaries, we have the equivalent of one church per about 220,000 people. We need a lot more churches. I can tell you we're very excited to partner and to labor with the churches that we do have there and we're beginning to see a tremendous shift in the atmosphere in the city of Portland as our churches that are there are starting to see a growth and some exciting things happening and we're delighted to work and labor with them to reach the city and see God do some very unprecedented things in this hour that God is giving us and so we're very excited and we can tell you that despite some of the sad realities of Portland we are excited about what God is doing and about what God is going to do. As you heard there, Portland once had a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit in the early 1900s, but... Sadly today, Portland is often considered to be one of the least religious cities in the United States of America with a million or more people. And that's because 70% of the population say they are non-religious and they have no affiliation with any church organization of any kind. It's kind of becoming an epicenter for what they call the nons, the non-religious. They're beginning to uh, attract the to that location but we know we serve a great God amen and our God specializes in giving life to that which is dead we know he is more than capable of this in this hour we live in to bring that city back to life spiritually and do an unprecedented work in this hour that we are in and so we are very excited and I want to use a verse in the Old Testament to explain to you a little bit about the condition of Portland but not just Portland also the community that you reside in as well it's in isaiah 1 and 6 and there's something unique happening here as a judgment is occurring and god is judging judah in the midst of the judgment we can learn a little bit about the condition of judah in isaiah 1 and 6 it says as you can see there from the sole of the foot even unto the head there is no soundness in it if you search The people of God over at this moment in Scripture, there's no peace there. There's no resolution. There's no soundness in them. But there are some things that are present, and we see it as we read further. It says, But there are wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. The situation here is that the people of God are living according to pleasure instead of principles. They're living a pleasure-driven life instead of a principle-driven life. And this lifestyle of theirs has created a great division between them and their creator and their savior. And because of that division, there's no ointment or anointing to saturate their life and bring peace and healing and virtue and praise back into their life. This is Portland. You heard that. Portland's uh, unofficial slogan, keep Portland weird. They are radical about weird in Portland, Oregon. I like to say it this way. Every day in Portland is Halloween. The rest of the world has one day a year. Portland has it every single day. You have to work very diligently with the help of the Lord to look beyond their radical, weird expressions and exterior to see the interior and to see the pain that lies within them that moves them to express themselves the way that they do. I think that this verse is kind of a picture of the earth today. Whether it's Portland or O'Fallon, St. Louis metro area, we're all surrounded by good people and for various reasons They have been separated from their creator. And because of that separation, there is a lack of anointing in their life to bring peace and resolution and to deal with emotional pain and spiritual pain and psychological pain and mental pain. And so there's all these wounds that our world is carrying today because of a lack of anointing. And we sit here tonight and we are blessed, folks, because there was a day in our life when the anointing and power of God got a hold of us and begin to saturate us and bring a peace into our life and bring healing and virtue. And over the course of our journey, we find ourselves redeemed and in a well place, a good place in Jesus Christ. And we should celebrate our redemption. We should share our redemption. And in the midst of our redemption, we cannot neglect or forget about all the people God has planted around us who need what we have and I am convinced that God has a tremendous plan a strategic plan to close the gap between the broken and wounded in your community and his anointing and that plan is you God has redeemed you for a purpose it was for more than just getting your life in order it was for more than just making you a Sunday church goer. But God put His hand upon your life to release you and make a difference in this community. This hour that we live in when God is setting the stage to do unprecedented works. He does those works through his redeemed. He does these works through his children. He gets a hold of you and I and begins to radically transform us from the inside out. And his desire when he gets us where he wants us to be is then to release us upon the communities that we are in so that he can begin to do a miraculous work in other people's That's his intent. That's why you're the vessel of God. He brings you into his arms and he begins to change your life and empty you out and then pour new things, divine things into your life. And when you leave the sanctuary, when you leave his creation space and you go out into your communities, the gap is closing between the broken and the anointing of God for you are carrying that anointing within you. And so when you go to the market and the rest, and the university and the high school and the middle school and you go to the hospital things change in those atmospheres because when you show up the anointing shows up the vessel of God is now present in the atmosphere and things begin to shift and change because all of a sudden the church shows up because we know the church isn't a building the church is the redeemed and wherever the redeemed goes the church is present and God's anointing and power is there with us it's so important to recognize that in this hour that we live in, God has a purpose for our life. John 15 and 16 says that God, that, excuse me, it says John 15 and 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. That's important, I believe you did not choose me I chose you while I understand there's a responsibility that we have to surrender our life to Jesus Christ what he is saying here is you didn't choose me I chose you I put my hand upon you and I begin to draw you out for a purpose and in the process of choosing you and selecting you I've placed my anointing upon you and in you and ordained you or appointed you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. You are powerful tonight because of your redemption, because God has His hands upon you, because God has chosen you and ordained you to do something incredible in this earth and make a difference in other people's lives. It's so important tonight that not only are we an anointed church, but we are an appointed church. And I think that's very important. I would suggest to you tonight that God has had us in a bit of a season of transition, perhaps in North America where we're moving beyond just having an anointing upon us to being appointed for a very powerful end time when God's going to do things He's never ever done before. It's kind of like the verse in the Old Testament when He begins to cry out and say, Church, you need to take regard. You need to begin to wonder marvelously for I will do a work in your day that you would not believe even if I told you what I was going to do. I believe it's a message God's sending to His church today He's saying I want to get you in order I need you to be in alignment with me and more aware Because I'm ready to do a work in your day Unlike any work I've ever done before And you wouldn't even believe it if I told you all the details So I just need you to trust, engage, follow And so when God redeemed you and I, it's important to know that God did not redeem us to be a reservoir, but God redeemed us to be a river. When God called you and anointed you and appointed you, He didn't do it so you'd be a lake or a pond. He did it so you would be a river which is very different than a reservoir or a lake and a pond. He put his hands upon you that you would be his river upon the earth. We know that it is our calling to freely receive, but also freely give that which we have received. Oh, James, he says, uh, don't just be a hearer only, but also be a doer of the word. Could we say it this way? Don't just be a receiver of the word, but be a giver of the word as well, recognizing that every time God pours something, divine into our life we should allow it to just soak into our humanity and then we should walk out of that experience and say God who am I meant to give this to because I'm not meant to be a reservoir or a hoarder but a river everything that flows into my life should also flow out of my life so that things would change and revival would happen let's talk about rivers for a moment rivers. The steady flow of clean fresh water of rivers is essential to human life and whole hosts, a whole host of aquatic species. Rivers and their tributaries are the veins of the planet. Think of that. Pumping fresh water to wetlands and lakes and out to sea. If we could just get a a bird's eye view of the earth and begin to remove layers to where we could just see the rivers on the earth, it would kind of look like veins in your body. And those veins are integral part of the health of the earth. And every river and every stream is doing its work to take life if you will to every area of the earth and every aquatic system and ecosystem of the earth it's very powerful what rivers do for our earth they flush nutrients through aquatic systems keeping thousands of species alive and helping sustain fisheries and human life itself it's like a lifeblood for human civilization that's what a river is they supply water to cities farms factories rivers carve shipping routes around the globe and provide us with food and recreation and energy over the course of human history waterways have been manipulated for irrigation and development and navigation and energy I found that there are 165 major rivers or arteries in the world or in the earth and so many more minor rivers and streams. it's hard to account for each of them that's how dynamic they are and we wouldn't survive without rivers It's kind of amazing to me that no matter where you go on the earth, no matter what the culture's like or the people are like, you can almost count on that you're going to find people near rivers because of the importance of a river and the life that it brings to humanity and the rest of the earth. And so they're very powerful. We see that in North America as well, right? We have some tremendous cities resting right on the Mississippi River. I think I'm in one right now. And so these rivers are so important to us. And while they were probably we were probably a little more aware of the importance of rivers about 200 something years ago perhaps because of modern advances we don't think as much about that local river like we used to but they're still very important to us today they may not directly affect us like they once did but they still indirectly affect our very life upon this earth one of my favorite places is Yellowstone National Park anybody ever been there come on we got some hands in the air i love yellowstone national park we've been there about six or seven times one of my favorite places i love the hills and i love the valleys i probably prefer prefer excuse me the valleys over the rivers and as you work your way or over the hills as you work your way out of the hills down into that valley and you come out of that tree line there's this spectacular meadow and in that meadow there are buffalo and there are elk and If you're really blessed, you might even see a wolf pack or some fox, some coyotes. And there's plant life, spectacular flowers, wildflowers, and green lush grass and some spectacular trees as well. And it's just a tremendous display of God's creative power. It's outrageous. And there's one thing you can count on in the midst of all that splendor. There's a river there. everything in that system is relying on that river and the moment that river were to dry up you know the national park is going to get very uncomfortable because everything is relying on that river and I've come to remind you tonight that in the spiritual realm you are God's river in this community and everything in this community is better because of your redemption and because of your presence when you are the church you are called to be because God has redeemed you to be his river and when you work under God's plan and God's order and you allow everything that he pours into your life to flow out of your life there is a tremendous flow that's created in that process and things begin to change in the atmosphere because you become the river of God in the earth. In John 7 and 38 it says he who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water when we get into that biblical relationship with Jesus Christ and we've been redeemed by the blood of the lamb all of a sudden there's something that comes to life within us and there is a river of living water that begins to flow from our existence from deep within us a flow begins to occur that's very powerful it makes a tremendous impact upon our life but upon the world around us as well in Isaiah 43:18 through 19 it says do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old behold I will do a new thing now it shall spring forth shall you not know it I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert I like this part here he says I'm going to do a new thing and it's going to spring forth I think because of the redemption or excuse me the life of Jesus Christ the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ he created a new thing where his river was not just on man but now it was springing forth from within man and something powerful and new happened where now roads are in places there never were before and rivers are present in the midst of a desert what is the road and what is the river it's you, it is me in the midst of this wilderness world we live in and this desert dry world we live in, God's placed a road God's placed a river and it is you that are here tonight you are the river of God you are the new thing he intended to change Change the earth that we live in. You're important tonight, church. Let's talk about the importance of rivers and the importance of you in this world that we live in. A river is important because it obviously supplies water. 75% of the earth's surface and water is happening and flowing through rivers. They're greatly affected. By rivers. Rivers literally are a source of water for communities. Listen to John 4 and 13. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. I wonder why. Will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Those who drink of this water will never thirst because the fountain will be born within and it will be flowing from within to the That's a powerful thought. You are a source of living water in this community. It's so important to get that picture. When you go to your factory or your workplace, when you step in the building, there is now a source of living water in the building. And things begin to change because of what's flowing out of your life in your presence. Middle schoolers and high schoolers, your school's not the same when you are there. When your feet touch the ground, all of a sudden there's a living water, a fountain on the grounds now that begins to change the supernatural atmosphere on that ground. That's why we're seeing young people change North America through Project 7 clubs because the river's flowing through our young people on campuses today and God's doing miracles because there's a source of water present on the campus. It's the redeemed youth of Jesus Christ at work and flowing through our campuses and it's the same for you and it's the same for I. We know that waters or rivers are a a source of power upon the earth we leverage those rapids and those raging waters in our rivers to create energy and power and wherever that river is flowing there's a source of power and I want to remind you tonight that as long as the living waters of God is flowing through your life you are a source of power upon this earth and in this community that God will use to do mighty works through because the Holy Ghost is flowing through your life mercy flowing through your life. Grace is flowing through your life. Unconditional divine love is flowing through your life. And all of these things bring great power to the earth. There's a verse, it's Ephesians 3 and 20. It says, Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's the exciting part. That's the receiving part. Who doesn't want God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? And we live in an hour when God is doing that very thing. Look at the second part. He will do it according to the power that worketh in us. Do you see that with me? God's saying, I will do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And I'm not using some abstract power out in the universe somewhere. But the power I will use is springing forth from my redeemed. The very river that I've chosen and I'm working through has carrying the power that I will use to do miracles and bring redemptions into communities all throughout the earth. The Bible says in Matthew 17 and 20, it says, if you will just with a grain of mustard seed of faith say unto this mountain, be removed, it shall be removed into yonder place and nothing shall be impossible unto you. It's talking about the power that lies within you and I, the river of God. And when we begin to raise our faith and speak with authority as that water is flowing through our existence, mountains can move and situations change when. God redeemed us he did not redeem us to be mountain climbers he redeemed us to be mountain movers and when the church speaks things begin to shake and tremble when the rivers flowing the earth begins to change and revival will happen why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for a moment hallelujah I continue quickly forward We are also God's transportation. We know that rivers, as I've briefly said already, provide transportation for us. They are travel routes for goods and recreation and exploration. They carve out roadways, if you will, all throughout the earth and become a means of transportation. When God redeemed you, you became a means of transportation for him. Wherever you go, you take him with you. So let me ask you a question. Where are you taking him? You are his hands and his feet. I remember one time hearing a new convert. Praying sincerely and passionately. After the preached word. And the new convert was asking God for forgiveness. He said God. I'm so sorry I took you into that bar. God I'm so sorry I took you into that relationship. And he got a glimpse of the fact that he was the transportation of God. And he was apologizing for the places he took God. He knew he should never take him. And then he was saying, God, would you help me to take you to the right places? The places you're wanting to go in my world. Have you taken God to places he should have never been? Into conversations he should have never been in? And have you neglected to take him to the very places he desires to go? You're his transportation. You're powerful. You're important. For you are the river. That one's heavy, so we'll just move on. How about this one? We know rivers provide a beautiful habitat for all organisms upon the earth. Ezekiel 47 and 9 said this, and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there for they will be healed and everything will live wherever the river goes. Take that out of a natural context, if that's okay, and put it in a spiritual and realize that through Jesus Christ, everywhere you go, there can be life. Everywhere his river goes, everything present lives. That's the power. of your redemption it's the power of the church you want to make a community vibrant put a church in that community you want to revive a messed up neighborhood put a church right in the middle of the neighborhood statistically they can show you if somebody puts a church in and takes an old building and starts to revive the building and repaint the outside it won't be long and somebody else will repaint a building in the neighborhood because it's just the nature of the church that's the natural side of it but wherever the church goes Everything present can live because the river is there. It's the power of the river. The river, you being the church, creates a habitat, an atmosphere where the miraculous can begin to happen. And things that aren't deemed to live can live when the church is present. I was with a pastor in California not too long ago. He was just sharing the goodness of God with my wife and I. And he said that God had uh, helped him to build a relationship with a very successful businessman in the community he said that one day he just decided he would stop in and visit the man at his business his first visit he went in and that man received him they had conversation and it was friendly and and then he departed and he came back another time and he visited and they had a wonderful time and then he left again and then he came back a third time and after having conversation he was about to leave and the man stopped him and he said pastor every time you come into this business, something awesome happens. You can come here anytime you want. No one else comes into this business and something awesome happens. But when you come, things change. That's not just the opportunity of pastors. That's what happens when the church of the living God puts its feet in an atmosphere. Wherever the church goes, when we're being the church, things live. Things come to life. A newness happens and blessings come where the church puts its feet isn't that what it said in the Old Testament wherever you put your feet just count it yours because there's something about that river that's flowing through our lives and what begins to happen when we show up another thought before I move to my last point is this there's a river on the earth it's you and it makes a city glad there's a verse in Psalms 46, 4 through 5. It says, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. There's a lot being said here. I don't want to mess this scripture up. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Whether we realize it or not, there are a lot of cities who are glad because of a river that are, is present. Again, there was a day when we had more of a direct connection to the river nearby than we do today. But at the end of the day, if we narrow it all, there are people who are glad because of a river that's present. And I would like to just present to you tonight that there is a glorious city in the heavens that's glad when you take your position and allow his power to flow through your life does it not talk about when someone repents and gives of themselves the heavens rejoice the last time I checked no tree is repenting without a river nearby and so if you connect the dots you'll find that that heavens are rejoicing over that life and that life has found life abundant life because of a river like yourself teaching a bible study being an example speaking faith into their existence I would suggest to you tonight there's a heavenly city and it's glad when it peers down at you and sees you functioning the way God has redeemed you to function and I will also tell you this the moment that heavenly city looks down and sees a dry river in O'Fallon it's very sad it's very disappointed because you are the lifeblood of this community and as long as the living waters are flowing the supernatural is going to happen and there's hope for your community but if you ever let the waters dry up this community loses its hope and its opportunity and the heavens are sad indeed but as long as we will be the river there's a city that's glad now I'm trying to demonstrate to you today that you're important because you're the river and I want you to know that because you're the river God has planted some trees by you for a reason whether you may or may not realize it God's placed people in your life for a reason it's not just happenstance or odd circumstances but when we're the river God is positioning trees around us that need living waters so that he can begin to work in that life and make a difference there are three reasons I want to present to you why Jesus plants trees by you. The first one is this. The river gives hope to the tree. In Job 14:7 through 9, it says this. For there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again and that its tender shoots will not cease. They won't die. Verse 8, though its roots may grow old in the earth and its stump may die in the ground, it may look like there's no life left in that tree. Verse 9, yet at the scent of water, at the smell perhaps of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. Your presence is giving hope to some very damaged trees in this community. When you look at them and assess them, you may think there is no way they will ever overcome their dysfunction and those dead roots in their life and be redeemed. But I would tell you, if you will be who God's called you to be, there may be a day when they get a scent of living water flowing through your life and begin to sprout up again and be a greater tree than they've ever been before I remember in Appleton where we lived for many many years a big tree fell over I don't remember all the reasons why it was right beside one of the main roadways and my pastor would preach about that tree often because it fell over but it wouldn't die it would not die then a car accident happened right by it set the field on fire and the tree started burning they put the field and the tree out and that tree would not die It was laid over, barely attached. You would have written it off years before and that thing is still growing and still alive and I don't know all the reasons why but I can tell you this right beside that river there was a little stream it wasn't large at all but it was enough for some water to flow through it and I don't know if there was some roots connected to that water or not but that tree was not gonna die because it had a scent of water there was still a chance and so it continued to grow I've come to encourage you tonight God has put people in your life for a reason. Whether you are young here tonight or you are experienced, God has put people in your world for a specific reason. And even though their life is overwhelmed with depression and addictions and tremendous struggles, and it looks like there is no chance if you will be the river that God's called you to be. Do not play games with your faith, but say, God, I will freely receive and I will freely give. I will be a source of hope. I will be transportation. I will be your power and I will move according to your direction. If you will do that, those trees in your life, they're going to get a scent and something supernatural is going to begin to happen and they're going to find a renewal and an altar somewhere along the way and God's going to redeem that life. He's going to raise that tree back up and get tremendous glory for it if you will just be who God has called you to be. The next one is this. I'm By no means a tree expert, so if you're here today and you are one, please don't throw knives at me. But I did read something I thought was really neat recently. This is what it said. Almost all water that enters a tree's roots is lost to the atmosphere. That the atmosphere is drawing water out of the tree. One of the statements said that often leaving only enough water to kind of keep the tree alive. But on a daily basis, the atmosphere itself is literally draining the trees of moisture. Does that not sound like the world we live in? There are people in your life. They are trees that God has planted right next to you. And every day the world is taking everything they've got, only perhaps leaving enough to keep them barely moving. It's draining everything it possibly can out of them. And the only hope they have is you, the river, that's just close enough that they can draw a little bit of hope from you. They may not even realize it folks We understand how powerful the Holy Spirit is right And when we step into atmospheres it changes It's why people say things like I don't know what it is about you But when I'm with you I feel peace And I feel encouraged Because you're the river And they're the tree that's starving for moisture And when they're with you They find something that gives them The moisture they're longing for Think about it folks We're blessed. Our lives are tremendously enriched by our redemption. And life has a tendency of draining us as well. Think about some of your hardest days. When your head hits the pillow, you feel like there is nothing left. And if that's what life does to the river, what is life doing to the trees? But when you say, yes, Lord, I'll be the river today. Those trees that are starving for moisture. Are advanced. They're blessed by your presence. Why do people surprise you when you smile at them? Because they're a starving tree. And that smile does something to them. You make a difference when you fulfill your purpose as the river. Last point is this: God places trees by you to preserve those trees during times of great pressure and high heat. We know that life has a tendency of turning the heat up, doesn't it? And when you read about trees, you find that when the heat's turned up, when the forest is on fire, there's there's some comfort in the fact that it's right by the river. And as that atmosphere and that heat begins to dry it, It knows its roots can reach out through osmosis and start to draw up a little water when the pressure's high. There's a reason people come to you when they're in a crisis. There are other people they could go to, but for some reason they come to you because you are the river that they can draw a little moisture from. And that's why they come. So I ask you four questions as... She comes to the music. Here's the first one. This is where we just take a little time with Jesus, open our minds and look inside a little bit, do an evaluation and an assessment. The first question is this. Is water flowing through the river tonight? Is there water flowing through the vessel or is the river dry? If the river's dry, what does that do to the city? If the river's dry, what does it do to the trees? All hope is lost when the river is dry. The next question is this. Has something developed in your life? To the point that it's become a dam. And it's obstructing the flow of living waters in your life. Somebody offended you. Oh, about five miles back. About five days back, somebody offended you. And a little debris fell in the river called unforgiveness. It's been growing. Every day that debris seems to collect more debris until all of a sudden the flow rate of the river is not as high as it used to be. It's still flowing, but it's not as fast as it once was. And the longer we leave those unresolved situations five days back, the more the flow is affected until we wake up one day and we find a dry river. Is there something five days behind, 365 days behind that's in our life that needs to be dealt with so that living waters can flow appropriately through our life and the trees that God has planted nearby? will benefit from our faith, from our vibrant, healthy faith the next question I ask you is this is the waters flowing through the river but you have a tendency of tempering controlling the flow in other words you're at the market and the river's flowing and the voice speaks and instructs you to minister to someone and instead of obeying you just temper the flow of the river and look the other way you're on the job somebody's in a crisis and you know God speaks into your ear soft voice gives you instructions when he does do you let that river flow or do you quickly start to control it the last question I ask you is this Somewhere along the way, did you make the decision to manipulate the order that God has for your river? The flow, the direction that God has for your river? You had good intentions and a preferred outcome for manipulating the order. But what you didn't see was that your manipulation would lead you to a compromising place where the waters couldn't flow again you see they found that man has a tendency of manipulating the flow of rivers for their own personal outcome and what has happened on occasion is they weren't thinking far enough ahead And when they manipulated the natural order of that river, it caused great problems and created a compromising situation in the natural order of that whole valley and that whole system. And sometimes with good intentions, when we think we know better than God does, we will make a decision to manipulate the direction of God's plans for our life, missing out on what's to come down the road and finding ourselves in a compromising situation where it's not flat. Flowing like it should and it's not affecting the world like it should affect the world. Would you stand with me? Question number one is water flowing through the river. Question number two is there something obstructing the flow of living water in your life has something developed in your life an addiction an offense some type of pain that's creating tremendous debris in God's will and purpose for your life and the river is dry There's very few miracles happening when the river's dry. And very few trees are moist when the river's dry. Number three, are you controlling the flow of the river? Are you getting in the way of God's perfect will? number four have you manipulated God's plan I know you had good intentions it's okay but did you find after you manipulated the plan maybe it was a bad idea do you know that the God we serve is miraculous you can come before him and be honest and say God you know what oh about 20 miles back I thought it'd be a good idea to change the direction of my river But now I see that I've created some compromise in your plan and I need you to come do a miracle and correct my mistake so the water can flow again and miracles can happen. Or maybe tonight you need to simply say, God, there's something been around for quite a while. I knew I needed to deal with it and I've been neglecting to deal with it and I'm starting to get a bit of a glimpse of the fact that it's causing some obstruction in your will in my life and in the flow of living waters in my life and I've got to deal with that tonight and I've got to give that to you because I realize there's some trees that you put in my life that need the waters to be flowing through the river. They're waiting for water to come and ascent so that their life can be restored. And they can rise out of ashes because of a river flowing through my life. What I'd like to invite you to do tonight, if you are willing, is I'd like for you to have a very transparent conversation with Jesus. I don't know what your custom is here. But I would like to invite you to get out of your comfort zone, your your little 18 inches or so, and come and talk to Jesus and have a real conversation. The intent is not to bring us down. The intent is to remind us we're very vital. That the world would like to tell us we have no value. We have tremendous value. Our very redeemed presence is changing the atmosphere of this city. And God is doing mighty things because you are here. And so let's not neglect to be the river we've been called to be. Because God's ready to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we already know, Pastor told me today, we're already having space issues in this building but there's no question your issues will continue and advance when each one of us say I will be a river today and somebody's going to be changed because of living waters flowing through my life I will be the church today and by being the church something's going to change in this community today and we're going to need a little more space in our house of God And so would you do me a favor, would you just come forward today as the family of God, as the people of God? I know it's Wednesday night, I may have just broadsided you tonight. But would you come and have a little talk with Jesus? Young people, I want to tell you, I believe in you. And I know that you are a powerful source of the strength of God in your schools. And when you will be the river God has called you to be, He can do miracles in your schools. He can save entire families. When you say, I'll be a river, and I will be a source of power, I will be God's transportation, I'm going to take Him into my schools and in my circle of friends, and the truth remains for us as adults today. we got to rise up in this appointed hour we've been given and say, God, I'll be your transportation, I'll be a source of water, I'll be a source of power in this community. I will take you where you want to go i won't temper the river i'll deal with anything in my life that's affecting the flow of living waters i will be what that tree needs me to be that you planted in my life and i will not let anything hinder my calling and purpose to be a river to go out and bring forth fruit into your house god let's see a church i hear the flow of river right now